1: Hi, this is Mike Rogers with another great WelshWire conversation sponsored by the Family Business Alliance. Now here's Sherry Welsh.
0: Today we have as our guest, Mark Smith, who's a shareholder at Rhodes McKee in Grand Rapids, a law firm and a longtime underwriter of the Family Business Alliance. We're so glad to have you with us, Mark. Thanks for joining us on the WelshWire.
1: Well, thanks for having me.
0: So, Mark, tell us a little bit about Rhodes McKee. Tell us about the firm.
1: So the firm is uh, a Michigan-based, Grand Rapids-based, actually, firm with 50 different lawyers. We have three offices, one here in Grand Rapids, one in Holland, and one in Hastings. We would be, I think, generally described as a general practice firm uh, representing uh, all nature of of private and business uh, clients. In areas such as uh, real estate, litigation, employment, um, trust in estates, business accession, and things of that nature. And how many years has the firm been around? The firm has been in existence for over 50 years.
0: Fabulous. Long history of right. serving small to mid-sized businesses and family businesses, too.
1: Right. Right. The the bulk of our clients I, I think fall within the demographic of, of what you would describe as a small business. We have a number of large businesses that we represent and governmental entities. But West Michigan as a whole, I, I think, is powered by small family businesses, and that's what makes up our, our client base.
0: That's right. That Yeah, you said it, absolutely. And you've been with the company, you said, about eight years. Right, yeah. Now. I
1: joined here eight years after 30 years in other firms, uh, first with a, a large firm, and after 15 years, left that to form a specialty firm. And after 15 years, left that to uh, find my final home here at Rhodes-McKee.
0: Excellent, excellent. And we talked a little bit too earlier, Mark, you had mentioned that you've got some area of expertise, particularly in employment law.
1: Yeah, that's right. I I do litigation in three different areas. Employment and labor is one, construction is another, and the third is business. These days, though, I I spend most of my time, it seems, doing uh, labor and employment law, and and that involves you know with our client base in particular being small businesses a lot of them don't have an in-house HR department that's right yes uh, they they have the traditional model of you know the finance director who went out and got the health care insurance and pretty soon you know, you did that pretty well, so why don't you handle this personnel issue or that personnel issue? You know and, it well. Mm-hmm. Right. And and so many of them don't have the, the day-to-day expertise in, in human resource issues. And so they look to us as sort of their outside HR department. Mm-hmm. And then for our bigger clients that have in-house HR, they rely on us for the areas that just don't um, find their way to their desk every day. Maybe it's a unique situation, a new law, a... Uh, you know, a problem employee that that perhaps, you know, is, is the, the golden child of the business and they don't know how to deal with them, right. and so they, they call upon us to step in.
0: Right. These are the challenges that they need support right. and help in. And you came here today to tell us about a challenge with the new Department of Labor ruling, a challenge regarding salaries, right. an exempt and non-exempt classification sure. that has many small businesses Wondering, how how do we respond to this? What do we need to do and help us out here? You've got some ideas. You've got some thoughts.
1: Well, I do. Um, Maybe
0: tell us first a little bit about it.
1: Sure. So um, in September, the Department of Labor announced its final uh, new salary regulations, which changed the the salary base that's been in place for, uh, well, since 2004, from $23,660 per year or $455 per week up to $35,568, which equates to $684 a week. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a pretty significant increase, almost $12,000.
0: Yeah, it's big.
1: And, you know, th- this was uh, uh, an effort by the Department of Labor to move forward from 2004, which is the last time that. Effective regulations were put in place. The Obama administration attempted to implement this same type of change back in 2016. Right. But they shot way past the $35,000 and we're going to go to the $47,000 mark as the base salary. Right. And the, the consequence of that was a major uproar amongst the business community that they simply couldn't afford to go that high. Oh, it was
0: a scary time. I I remember serving on some nonprofit boards where they were looking at what they were going to need to do with salaries and how were they going to absorb that. It was a really scary time for a lot of nonprofits, small businesses. Everyone was thinking this is too big of a jump for us to absorb so quickly. So it was a scary time. But the kind of Backed it down with this well, ruling, yeah. right? Well, yeah, and
1: so what, what happened was uh, a number of states—I think 23 states—and a, and a whole host of, of business-aligned organizations filed suit in Texas, uh, seeking an injunction to keep that new regulation from going into place. And they they uh, received an injunction that stopped the the law really on the eve of it being implemented. Mm-hmm. And then we had a change in administration, and the Department of Labor took the position that they weren't going to seek to enforce their own rule. And so it ended up ultimately kind of dying on the vine, mm-hmm. and the Department of Labor went back to zero and started the process over again because everyone recognized, even the states that challenged it and even the businesses that challenged it, the $22,000. As a salary exempt position was was really out of touch with with modern day for sure uh, economics
0: yeah it needed to be adjusted no question sure I think the real question was what's, what's a fair the, adjustment right what can be absorbed practically right. within one year time frame
1: right yeah. and and so you know they they revisited it went through the entire rulemaking process again and ultimately ended up with this new number which I'm not sure if this is coincidence or not, is exactly in the middle between <laughs> the old level and the uh, proposed uh, Obama era level. So it's it's right to the, to the dollar, Isn't that right funny? in the middle between the two. Yeah,
0: probably not accidental, but it's making right. everyone happy probably sure. at that point and happy that we've reached an agreement here well, that we can move forward with and do the right thing.
1: It, it, it makes him i think the employers happy in the sense that they don't have to go all the way to $47,000 yeah. yep. but it you know there's some unhappiness that we'll talk about in a minute and the employee groups who were ecstatic over the old uh, proposed obama era rule are not happy at all because they they see an increase you know from 22,000 to this $35,000 as not really reflecting economic reality mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know, if if you're in one of those positions, say you're a restaurant manager and you're you're getting paid a salary of thirty two thousand dollars and you're being asked to work eighty hours a week, you think, well, this this really thirty five grand isn't enough for me. I, I really, you know, think the forty seven is a little more appropriate. Right. So you have some dissension on on that end. But to date, um, you know, the the the, the rule has been adopted. It's heading down the tracks towards implementation on January 1. And, you know, we expect that it, it will be implemented. Right, right. So, so then the issue is, you know, how, how do people do it? Right. What, what's the implementation process? And the, there are, you know, a number of options that employers can consider. One is they can simply, for every employee that's under the this new cap, that is uh, co- called in in their employment world a an exempt employee they can increase them to this new level
0: sure that's easy enough to do sure. except for the big immediate hit right it takes on your labor expense well and it depends on how big it to.
1: is you know if you if True. you have a bunch of people in the low 20s or mid 20s going up to 35 times the number of employees right. is, is a huge hit if someone is at thirty three or thirty four, then it's, That's it's a bit. it's it's not so much. Mm-hmm. Um, but there as with almost everything in life, this the simple solution isn't always the best solution. and and there are issues that come along with uh, putting people up to this new higher level um, that that aren't necessarily obvious at first glance. So tell us so, a little bit more about those, Mark. Well, so uh, uh, one simple thing is if if you have, a long-term member of your staff that, say, for example, is earning Mm $37,000. That's been their salary. They've been with you for 10 years. And now all of the junior people that are in this exempt category move up to this new $35,000 level. Mm. You start looking over your shoulder and go, what have I gotten for my last 10 years? You know, everyone's earning about the same that I am. So, I mean, you end up with some salary compression that happens – as a result of increasing everyone below what your normal salary scale is. Yes. And so actually the cost of this may be more than just the amount of increase from the existing level up to the base, mm-hmm. but you have to look at the ripple effect upstream to all of your employees because everyone's going to be saying, oh, wait a minute, you know Joe, who's been here two years, just got a $7,000 raise. How come, you know, now that I've been here all this time, i'm I'm not getting the seven thousand. So you know you you, right. you have to look at that as right. a, an option. That's an issue. it's It's a significant mm-hmm. issue um, in terms of salary compression. And then if you have some gender disparity in in the people occupying those positions, and if you have a, say, a female supervisor who's you know at forty two thousand dollars, and now everyone that has gotten these big raises is male. You, you may have a gender discrimination claim because, mm-hmm. you know, why do they get this big raise and I don't? Now, an employer can say they got this big raise because Congress made us do it, but, or the Department of Labor made us do it. But still, it's, it's, a, it's a potential claim. Right. The other thing that, that comes from this that is significant, I think, is that the salary is only part of the test. So as I said earlier, this applies to the salaried-exempt employees, which are you know, typically the administrative, the executive, and professionals amongst the ranks. Right. And there, there are all kinds of little exceptions to all this, but the, the, the bulk of what we're talking about is those three categories of employees. Correct. What we find is that a number of employers throw someone into one of these categories and just leave them there forever. And not really think. Well, do they still qualify as a salaried exempt employee, or am I calling someone that's really an hourly employee salaried exempt? And you know, if if I'm wrong on that, then you and you receive uh, either a Department of Labor audit or a claim by a, a private employee that hey. Yeah, it was great. You gave me this increase, but I'm really, I'm not a salaried exempt employee. I'm someone that's entitled to overtime because I don't meet the duties test. So now you're in a conundrum where you've increased their salary to this big number, and they're still going to ask for overtime for hours worked over 40 per week because right. they don't fit within this exemption. And the
0: duties test, let's back up to that for a sure. minute. The duties test, there was nothing about that changed. In That's correct.
1: That it, it was left in, in the same position it, it has always been, and it, it has always had some deficiencies because there's a lot of subject subjectivity in the test that allows an employee to argue, well, I don't really qualify within one of those three exempt categories. Right. And However,
0: so, now right. with making changes right. and raising the threshold, it, it just gives an Opportunity, if you will, for them to question it does that duties test and kind of push that a little bit and say, you well, know, I really should have been getting overtime all along. I it, think it,
1: it it could potentially or or you know, it gives the Department of Labor the opportunity to come in and say, okay, you have freshened up your salary rate, kudos for that, but we still need to look at whether you fulfill these duties tests in these categories. And we're going to take a look at, you know, the, all of these and determine whether or not you should be paying overtime. And if, you know, it goes forward, you know, two, th- two years down the road, they look backwards and say, yeah, you blew it. You didn't have the, the proper people categorized as exempt. And so you're going to owe all this overtime. Yeah. and That's you know, not a good spot to and, be and in. And if you have, you know, people, the, the people that are on these salaries, particularly the lower levels... Work some long hours, yeah. and so if you have someone that's you know twenty hours a week overtime, twenty times their new wage rate at time and a half is a significant oh, amount it of money. Oh, it
0: is, yeah, it really, really right. is. Oh my gosh! So, what what other things do they need to be aware of? Employers need to consider with right. this
1: change. So, I mean that that's kind of the the. The, the pitfalls of, of just doing the easy, breezy, I'm just going to increase everyone. Uh,
0: Without level. really right. looking at right. what you're doing and treating each individual employee and job.
1: Separately and, and analyzing, Separately. do they yeah. meet those, those duties tests? And, and we can explore those if you want to, but just to kind of go through what all their other options are. Another option is to say, you know, guess what? We're going to convert you to an hourly employee. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're not going to increase salary all the way up to the, this new $35,000 level. We're just going to pay you, you know, a, a regular hour, hourly rate wage plus overtime at one and a half times for every hour you work over 40. And on, again, this is one of those on the surface, it seems pretty easy mm-hmm. because most employers have some employees that are on the clock. And so now they go, okay, now you're on the clock too. There's the time clock. Get used to it and, you know, start punching the clock. Um, there, there are, you know, a, a couple of issues that, that come from that that make it not quite as simple as it seems. The, the first is that you've got a group of people who've never had to punch the clock. They're or they haven't had like a that. punch of clock since they were a kid. That's right. They're not going to And like so, that. you know, it's demeaning to all of a sudden be punching the clock.
0: Absolutely.
1: And, yeah. you know, for, for people who have been saying, oh, I'm working like a dog, I'm really overburdened here, all of a sudden they're punching the clock and it's revealed that they really haven't been working as much as mm-hmm. they claim because the clock tells no lies, you know, it tells right. when you're there and when you're not. Um And so that's an issue. Morale could certainly be an issue associated with that. And then the other um, big problem is what do you set as the hourly wage for this person? If you say, well, I'm going to take your old salary and just divide it by 40 and that's your hourly wage, you're going to find that you have a huge increase in payment to those people if they work any overtime Mm -hmm. because now they're getting paid for all the hours they used to do for free. They're getting paid at time and a half at this new rate. Right, So that's a significant issue. Um, Or if you blow it and do it the other way around and say, I'm going to figure out what you used to make plus your overtime and I'm going to drop your hourly rate down to such a low point that your 40 hours plus overtime is going to equal exactly what I've been paying you as a salary. If they don't work any overtime, they end up taking a big cut in pay right. as a consequence, just the way the math works. And so that's going to be a problem. So you really need to study and do more than you know. just divide the whatever their former salary was into an hourly wage. So the, the third thing that some people can do is, okay, we're going to leave you on salary, but it's going to be non-exempt. You're going to be entitled to overtime. And you can apply that salary to either 40 hours or 45 hours or 50 hours. So for example, you could say, I'm going to treat your old salary as if your work week was 50 hours long. So we're going to spread it out. It effectively reduces your hourly rate. Mm-hmm. And then you pay that rate for the first 40 hours and half-time rate for the next 10 hours that you're working over 40 because you already have the the straight time rate included right. in, in your math. And you know that, that can work out. Um, but again, if the employee works more or less than the predicted hours, it can have an unanticipated consequence of either too much money or not enough money. Right. And if you pay too much money, you're de- defeating your effort to avoid having to increase up to the $35,000 wage. And then the other problem with this is under that scenario – you're still punching the clock. Yes. So yes, it, and it seems a like problem in, in
0: both of those scenarios, those last two scenarios, Mark. It leaves potentially leaves the employee feeling like, why wasn't I getting this before? Right. Why wasn't I, right. I? I should have been entitled to this before this wage base increased. Right. Why wasn't I getting that over time? And so the potential for lawsuits, I would think, and claims would
1: be. It can be significant.
0: Very significant. So there's so much to consider with each and every individual who will be impacted, which is going to be probably the majority of your workforce in in some way or another. I mean, whether they're getting their... Salary, if you will, increase, or whether they're feeling it from the comp- salary compression, right? That happens as a result there, of there this. There
1: will be some second guessing. There's no doubt about it. It's and very,
0: it's very, very complex. Much more so than what you think, right? At first glance, oh, I have to do this. I have to make some increases. I have to change some classifications. Right? We can do that. It's just not that easy.
1: I wish it was.
0: Yeah. So for firms that are do not have robust HR departments handling this, I can see why your advice and your counsel would be so, so valued in this. So do you have some suggestions, any best practices or ideas or what what a, a best way to approach this or handle it might be? And I know that, that could be right. a tough question. Right. Well so
1: there's, you know, there's no one size fits all, I don't think, for an organization. I, I think an organization confronting this needs to look at how many people are affected, Mm -hmm. and let's just do the math and see how it rolls out if I take that first option and just roll everyone up and consider the ripple effect upstream. Um, What's it going to do to the morale of my organization? I have to take that into account. Mm -hmm. And how good am I in terms of my long-term classification of these people as um, falling within those exempt categories, the duties tests? So I, you really need to analyze all of those factors before you can make a decision. Mm-hmm. And and one thing that, that we counsel our clients on is that, you know, the Department of Labor and an employee challenging this can go backwards in time two years and say, I, I need to be properly compensated for this two-year period unless it's shown that there's a willful violation of the law, in which case they can go back three years. Ugh. And so, you know, you can have yeah. someone three years from now saying, you know, this increase in salary was well known, it was well publicized, it was well publicized that the Department of Labor is going to be looking at, you know, the duties test, and you, my employer, didn't look at any of that stuff. You just blindly sort of implemented it, and so it's a willful violation. So mm. I want to go back three years yeah. instead of two. You
0: don't want that to happen.
1: No. No, that's a, a the worst case scenario. Yep.
0: Yeah. It seems to me that in addition to very carefully analyzing all aspects of the effects on the organization and the employees, that communication with the employees, especially those affected or perceived to be affected by it, in the case of salary compression issues and things like that, the communication about how it's going to roll out, why it's going to roll out, how it affects you, here's what we're attempting to do, that could be really critical.
1: Oh, absolutely. The morale within the workplace. I mean, people, you know, get sideways over someone that makes twenty cents an hour more than they oh, do. Oh, sure,
0: they do, and, especially right. at this sure. level. It's a big deal.
1: Yeah. So you you put in salary compression, you put in punching the clock, you put in these sort of things, and and you have a real potential for a morale problem. Yeah, that, you do. That will far outstrip the dollars and cents. Uh, that we're talking about just in terms of the raw economics of this.
0: Right. And everyone in your organization will not tell you how ticked off they are necessarily right. by this right some may go and file claims and make a big stink about it. it it's true but some will just quietly choose to go to work for another employer
1: well they sure will who
0: will compensate that and, and with unemployment today at three and a half percent and lower for many people in these categories right uh they can find a job they just can. about any place so you have the potential for not only some legal issues but an exodus of some talented employees that you really would like to keep, just because they didn't understand what went on. So communication is yeah. so yeah. important.
1: To I get couldn't this right. agree more. That's yeah. absolutely right.
0: Yeah. So any other recommendations that you'd have for companies as they roll this out?
1: I, no, I, I think we've covered the, the the waterfront in terms of the need to do the math, the need to have good communications, and the need to have a plan and. You know, a, a good sort of safety net is to talk to your legal counsel and make sure you're doing it right from a legal point of view. And then, you know, if you have experienced legal counsel, they'll also be able to help you on the morale side of things in terms right. of, you know, here's best practices. Here's how this sort of thing uh, can best roll out.
0: Right. Right, because the communication that needs to happen might be different depending on the person you're talking to and, and what their understanding will sure. be. Sure, sure. So if our listeners have questions and they're like, you know what, Mark, you seem like an expert of this, You've got, you're have got you real dialed in on some great suggestions and ways to handle this well in my organization. Can they reach out to you through email? How can they get in touch with sure. you, Mark? There,
1: there are a couple of different ways. One is direct dial on my phone, 616-233-5216. Or, uh, we, we do have email, and I, I receive these directly at my desk. And that email is MR Smith. So it looks like Mr. Smith <laughs> at Rhodes, R H O A D E S McKee, M C K E E dot com.
0: Wonderful. And we'll also have that address on our uh, brief on our website too, so that folks can go back and pull that if they need to get in touch with you. But um, Mark, this has been very enlightening. I hope that this is a show that really provides some great information for our listeners with the Family Business Alliance and with small to mid-sized companies in general that are really wondering about how to, how to take this new ruling from the Department of Labor and make sure that they protect their organization and their employees well.
1: Okay. It's my pleasure. Thank hopefully, you. hopefully it was helpful.
0: Thanks so much for your yeah. insight today. Sure. Thank you for listening to The Welsh Wire. We hope you'll join us for the next episode. For more information, visit welshandassociates.net.